Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week, I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. This episode of Collective Wisdom is brought to you by Gift Wellness, an award-winning social enterprise that makes non-toxic and hypoallergenic sanitary pads and their new range of plastic-free vegan cleansing and shampoo bars. Founded by Dr. Zareen Ahmed in memory of her daughter Halima, who was tragically killed in 2007, Gift Wellness make and sell healthy lifestyle products that give their customers a feeling of well-being and the knowledge that they are supporting a brand that cares about their individual needs, as well as the environment and the needs of those who are less fortunate. Their scheme, Buy One, Gift One, means that for every pack sold, a pack is donated to women in refugee camps and women in need via food banks and schools. Gift pads are at least six times more absorbent than most ordinary brands. This makes them better for the environment because around a third less product is used and thrown away. The friendly packaging and branding dispels taboos. It celebrates women so they don't have to hide them away or be embarrassed. Gift Wellness are offering listeners of Collective Wisdom a super generous 30% discount using the code CAT30. That's C-A-T-30. So head over to giftwellness.co.uk to learn more about this inspiring social enterprise that's helping thousands of women around the world to safeguard their dignity during times of crisis. Use the code CAT30, C-A-T-30 at checkout if you like what you see. And I promise you won't be disappointed. Thanks so much to Gift Wellness. Hi there, my wise friends, and welcome to another episode of Collective Wisdom, which this week I'm recording from Hong Kong, as I'm here to host a panel interview with some really inspirational female leaders for International Women's Day on March the 8th. And I can't tell you how good it is to be back here after three years looking out over the harbour. Joining me today, I have one of the most inspirational female leaders I've ever met. Dr. Zarin Ahmed, as you'll hear, has had to find a way to carry on after losing her daughter Halima in 2007. This is a bittersweet story that some may find distressing, but I hope you'll agree that Zarin's courage and compassion has helped her to find light in the darkness and ultimately to learn to live alongside her pain and grief and find healing. Halima means gentle, mild-mannered and generous, and those are all qualities that come from her mother. We laughed and shed tears together in this most generous of conversations. It's my great pleasure to introduce my guest today, Dr. Zareen Rui Ahmed. Zareen is the founder and CEO of Gift Wellness, a social enterprise which manufactures and distributes an award-winning range of natural feminine hygiene products And thanks to her commitment to helping women in crisis, since it was established back in 2012, their gift range has donated over 6 million pads to homeless and refugee women globally. Through innovative design, which is striving to reduce the use of plastic and a compassionate approach to business, 
Gift Wellness's range is currently the fastest growing brand of its kind in Europe, and it's blazing a trail to address not only the effects of period poverty, but also its grassroots causes. Zarine and her team want to eliminate altogether the taboo around talking about women and their natural cycles. But what's truly remarkable about Dr. Zarine is that this work to help women and girls around the world is part of a vision to fulfill her dreams of her daughter Halima, who was tragically murdered back in 2007. I first heard Zarine tell her incredible story at a women's leadership conference hosted by Sam Collins. And like many in the room, I was moved to tears hearing how she'd been able to find the courage to take an unthinkable event and use it as a catalyst for creating so much lasting and impactful change for so many women. Not only through Gift Wellness, but through the school she founded in Pakistan in Halima's name that is still providing an education for girls who wouldn't otherwise be able to go to school. So thank you so much for joining me, Zarine, and thank you also for the wonderful work you're doing to make life better for so many people. I think I wanted to say, first of all, just how sorry I am that this whole conversation is happening on the back of what must still be a very painful event in your life to live through. Of course. Thank you. I mean, yes, the pain is there. And, you know, I accept it when people say, you know, I'm sorry Mm. for that pain. Um, but as difficult and, 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 you know, unusual it may sound, the, the, I do believe that it happened, everything that happened was, was the way it was supposed to happen, because if it didn't, then... I would not be fulfilling her dreams and doing the things that we were going to do, that we planned to do, but much more than that, like far beyond what we'd talked about. Yeah. Um, So, you know, yeah, you know, the pain is there. The grief is there, especially on special occasions and, Mm. you know, uh, weddings and birthdays and I see her friends getting married and having children and you know it's difficult and it's difficult to see mums and daughters shopping together and you mm. know that sort of <laughs> that sort of thing really and um but but for me because of my faith mainly it's I know that it's a temporary separation and knowing that puts a whole new spin on it. And when you understand that, then my life isn't a misery anymore. It's actually um, an opportunity to do as much of that good work that Halima and I talked about as much as possible um before I see her again and you know as a Muslim I I pray five times a day um I've just done my afternoon prayers in between meetings and putting a shakshuka in the oven and packing my sending my 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 96 year old father-in-law off to my brother-in-laws you know it's a military operation every day but you know 
when I pray, I pray to God to not take me until I've done enough to stand before not only God, but before my daughter and say, look, this was all for you. And this is what has happened because of you, because of your, your heart Mm. and love that you had for wanting to help, help others. So I think that is at the essence of it. It's it's that idea of look what we did. And, um, you know, we're celebrating International Women's Day in in a week's time. And I wanted to bring you into this conversation because I think you're such an influential, inspirational leader, an incredible woman. But I also wanted to say so is to this day Halima you know she was only on this earth for 19 years but it's that legacy that you I think I think that is is what you tell so movingly when you when you talk about her that that compassion was all there all along you know maybe you could just tell us a little bit more about her and her her original vision, where where this all started? So, I mean, firstly, I'll say that I believe that every child is given to to you as a parent as with a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, um, as a gift and, and then with a purpose attached to it. And this was her purpose. You know, so um, some some people have a short life and some people have a long life, and whatever reason it is that they're, you know, that they go for, um, it's attached to their purpose. So um, when when I when I think about it that way, then you know, it's I'm content with what's happened. Yes, I have the pain. I miss her every day, every moment. But I use that. I I trans. I I, I, I transform that pain into a fuel. So when Helima was, I mean, from when, ever since I can remember, from when she was little, she would take a keen interest in in charity work. She subscribed to UNICEF and. Um, and she would always be fundraising whenever she saw something on the news or heard about a disaster or or a, an earthquake or a you know some kind of um, you know tragedy happening around the world. And she would make cupcakes at home and sell them at school wow. in her break time, even when she was about nine. And um, and when when she was about. 12, um, I travelled to Pakistan um, with my dad and my cousin in Karachi, he had an empty property and, and, I, and I said, well, it's just sitting there, you know, why don't we work with you and, and, and open a, a school or something for these street kids because there was lots of poverty around there. And um, and he said, "Okay, great. Let's let's make a plan." 
So when I came back to England and um, and, I, and I told Halima, she got really excited and she said she said she said, well, you know that's what I want to do when I grow up, Mum. Gosh. So so can we name this charity that we're going to set up? Can we can my name be associated to it? Wow. And we we went to the Lloyd's TSB bank together and we opened an account called the Halima Trust. That's incredible. So the Halima Trust already existed. You know, there was already that inspiration there. Yeah. Now, that project didn't go ahead in Pakistan because of red tape and, you know, just the fact that we were here and the work was there and there was so much paperwork and the politics out there were all over the place. It was it was difficult, so we 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 paused that, mm. and um, and we didn't do that at the time. But the account was there, and um, we hadn't set up the registered charity or anything. But we'd opened a bank account to yeah. fundraise, and then we forgot about it. And then in between, um, so soon after that, you know, we we got really serious. She got really serious about doing charity as a career. And she would joke about it and she'd say, you know, you're going to have to find me a rich husband, mum, because we're doing what I'm good, I want to do. I'll never make any money. <laughs> so, and, um, and, you know, and she and I, we were the same. I mean, because I worked in the charity sector and the public sector and it was what I was passionate about. And, and, uh, and, it, you know, when other mums and daughters were talking about the latest fashion and things like that, we were talking about women's rights and, wow. and uh, alleviating poverty and environmental projects. And, um, and, and then she, you know, when she was coming up to sixth form, um, she said, Mum, I want you to make me a promise that after I graduate, I want to do third world development. And after I graduate, that you will drop whatever you're doing and you and I will work together and we'll have our own, we'll have our own project, we'll have our own charity, maybe a social enterprise where we is a business for good. Um, and we used to talk about Anita Roddick's story about the body shop and how it helped women um in cottage industries and things like that and that's the sort of conversation that we'd have all the time yeah. and I said okay that's what we'll do and uh and so she started her she got onto her dream course at Nottingham Trent to do international relations and global politics specializing in third world development um in September 2007 and uh and in a second year she was due to go to Gambia which was she was the just most excited about um and spend you know a, a year out of her course kind of um working on environmental projects and building schools and things like that and she went to uni for six weeks um, and was the happiest I'd ever seen her. And um, and then she was being stalked by a mental health patient, an asylum seeker, who abducted and murdered her just six weeks after she started uni. 
Just unbelievable. Just a few streets from where we live here. Yeah, I'm so sorry. And um, <laughs> like I said to Sam, it's a leveller, isn't it? Everything stopped. Everything came crashing down. And uh, even the, the the electrical items in the house stopped working. Like the TV broke. My hairdryer stopped working. The kettle. The, you know, I really believe that it had there was such negative energy yeah that it affected everything and I mean not to mention in the family how devastating it was especially for my grandparents for her grandparents yeah it's just you just something you just don't imagine I mean I have grandchildren now myself yeah um, because we have a son as well and and he's got four kids now, so um, uh, and I can't imagine it as a grandparent. No, no, I, I wouldn't even want to go there. So, what do you think gave you the courage? Because you know, it was very clear to you what to do next. What you know to to take that pain and to to use it as fuel, but. That's something that I, I actually, just... I mean, I actually remember quite vividly lying in bed that night and um, I actually felt her presence and I was lying on my side, on my right side, so I was kind of a V-shape like that and it felt like she was sitting there in in my... the gap there and and leaning against my stomach and and I imagined her sitting there and it was at that moment and it was like she was there for a purpose the the at that moment I was actually thinking now do I wake up tomorrow Mm. or do I do something else and and actually turn this into an opportunity to do to keep that promise you know to to do and it was and I I mean I I think at that moment I was thinking do I wake up tomorrow or not and then I felt her presence and that was her message and it was the message I think telling me to to, mum you know this is why it's happened yeah because you're going to do something it's you see no great tragedy has happened throughout history without it turning into something amazing no Mm. no amazing thing no amazing achievement or movement whether it's slavery or whatever you know has happened no great change has happened throughout history without there being first a major upheaval, something really bad happening. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, if she'd still be, if she was still here, we would have had so much fun. We would we would have done something. Mm. But Kat, it wouldn't have been at this level. It wouldn't have had this much. Uh, 
emotion behind it. Yeah. It wouldn't have had this much energy. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have been this much of a force of energy. It is. It is the power of that story. Yeah. We would have done something really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. And we would have enjoyed it and enjoyed each other's company and and we would have done we would have done something good. But it just feels like it's this has given it a lot more importance, a lot more momentum, like you said in the beginning. Mm. And, and it's like this is what it needed, what that dream needed to push it beyond what we thought it would achieve. Yeah. And there's a real sense that because it felt like she was very much part of this, and as you said, you know, you've used it as fuel to sort of soothe that pain or to to become part of the healing process, that you you find the courage to overcome all the obstacles. Because as you said, you know, you'd, you'd thought about this idea of setting up a school over in Pakistan, but there were just seemingly too many hurdles. And then suddenly all that falls away. Yeah. It was, it was actually, I think, um, a couple of days later. And I don't know if it was a way of me kind of, um, it was a way for me to reconcile what was happening with my son and the rest of the family, particularly my son, mm, mm. who was a little younger than Halima, 15 months younger. And they were so close. And, you know, I needed to say something to him. And it just came out. And I said, look, you know, what that all that work that she wanted to do, you know, me and Halima talked about doing this together. That's what I'm going to do now. Wow. That's what we're going to do. And he said, well, mum, can, how can I be involved? Because he, he, he needed something. Yeah. No, and and so Fazan was the first chair of the charity, and he was the youngest chair of any charity in, mm. in the in Britain. He j- just on his seventeenth birthday, because you're not allowed to be a chair of a charity before you're seventeen. Um, uh, or, or is it eighteen? He was seventeen when when it happened, and he he turned eighteen after a few weeks. Um, and the, and like the day after we um we got the red charity registration through um and uh and he he was the youngest chair of any charity and the charity commission did a whole article about him about how you know after the tragedy of his sister um this young person is now the chair of the and just throwing yourself into something that feels like it would be part of what she would have wanted, that yeah. sort of vision. All of it. All yeah. Of it. So yeah. it was a, a real support to the whole family. Oh, yeah. And then um, and then we needed a project, our first project. And I put it out to kind of tender to, because I worked in the charity sector anyway, and I put it out to lots of charities um, from Oxfam and UNICEF to Islamic Relief and the Red Cross and other um, other charities, um, I think I think 
10 charities um, to because we'd never done international charity before no. international uh, development work before I'd only worked in the UK and um, and he uh, and, and basically I proposed that we partner with a charity that was there on the ground somewhere um, who needed a fundraising partner to raise the funds for a particular project um, that resonated with us and with Halima's passion. And the one that just jumped out at us was a school for girls, for orphaned and very poor girls in Pakistan. And um, they've got a boys' school there. Mm. And a farmer had donated land for the girls' school because that community was so desperate for a school for girls. And um, there was no school for miles and miles. And it was, it was you know, the year after the, the huge earthquake in Kashmir. And there were mm. thousands of orphans that came out of that because that, on, that, on the day of the earthquake, children went to school. And, um, you know, there was a land, the earthquake caused landslides which covered their villages completely drown their villages and they came back to nobody and nothing so there were thousands of orphans and um so so most of the orphans were from that region and the other and the rest of the children were from very poor local villages who couldn't afford education for their kids and the boys had got a boys school but the girls didn't have a school to go to so and and also the area in Pakistan where it, it, it is is very close to where my parents are from. So it was a real um, sense of going back to your roots. And... Gosh, so much. And, you know, my dad said, you know, those fields is uh, where I played as a child. Gosh, you know? gosh. And um, so that was a project that we chose. So it makes perfect sense. It's, it's, again, it's, it's almost like this spiritual sense of, it found you, you know, the project mm. just jumped out and it just made total sense. It had real meaning for you. Mm. So tell me a bit about the, the school now because... It's not just a school now. We have um, a college next to the school because they all, they would, it's a top performing school. It's won all the awards going, including the British Council International Schools Award and all the regional and national awards that, it, that they enter, they win. And the top performing students are orphans. And, um, and, and you know, we, we're, we're fighting off people from kind of wealthy families who want their girls to leave wow. the schools. And they're saying, look, we will pay yeah. for our daughter to come to your school yeah. I mean the beautiful thing is is that you can't tell which ones are, are which one's an orphan and which one isn't um because they're all the same they yeah. you know and, yeah. and they they um the orphans live on site as well um and some of them have mothers um so their fathers died and their mothers were destitute um and we've given jobs to mums so they can be near their daughters, you know, whether they're 
looking after them in the hostels, in the in the accommodation or cooking or, you know, other kind of um, utility kind of jobs. So it's a real social initiative as well as being an educational yeah. space. It's uh... um, uh, yesterday I got a message. Oh, so so going back to how it's developed, um, they were doing so well and extremely ambitious girls, and they they were in the right environment. Mm. You know, and for, for girls there, it's not like the kids here who don't actually, who take for granted what they what they've been given. Those girls had nothing. They would be on the streets or worse, dead. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, and they were given this paradise to live in. It has a. It's a lot of land. It's a whole. I, don't, I can't remember how many acres it is now. But and there we've we've uh, planted trees, fruit trees, and there's an orchard, and and there's a, a an an old wall going all the way through. It's all very secure all the way around. It's all very secure. They go on trips and explore and they meet entrepreneurs and we have speakers coming in and all kinds of things happening. So they all wanted to go to college and there isn't a college nearby either. So we built a college on the campus. So there are now 1,600 girls um, and it's almost half and half in the school and the college. And now they need more classrooms. So this is a conversation I was having this morning was that um, the foundations are strong enough for a third floor. Building <laughs> um, upwards more classrooms um, on the top of the school and the college. And, um, yeah, it's just growing and growing. And the, and. A really beautiful story that I heard yesterday was, um, you know, in Pakistan and India, there is, um, they, you know, they really go, especially in India, they, they, no, in Pakistan as well, they believe in different um, sects, you know. So there's there are uh, there's a hierarchy of 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 sect that your family is from. Based so, on so like the caste is that is that caste the caste system, system. Yeah. yeah 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 so I know a little bit about it but yeah um, fascinating so there was a girl who was from the lower caste system who uh, her family they call them Marasi uh, they they um come and dance at weddings sing and dance at weddings and play drums and instruments and that's what what their caste is right called Marasi and. They have very little opportunity, and she was an orphan, and she, she from our school, she uh, she studied hard. She went to university. She did an MPhil, and there was her sister as well, who also uh, is doing a master's. And uh, she's come back, and she's now lecturing in our college as a senior lecturer you know unbelievable um, yeah and, you know from that background to that just that tiny window of opportunity you know, and and that means that she can go back to her community and transform her community yeah yeah and does, um, does it mean so that she's from that caste from that lower caste she's able to sort of say well actually that 
that's not your preordained destiny, a little bit of education, a little bit of inspiration, and everything can change. And there is so many stories like that. I mean, we've got teachers in the school who who are students who have come back and are teaching uh, in school. And um, and we've got students who are doing medicine and all kinds of things. Um, students who want to be po- going to politics and they debate in English. Mm. They um, they you know they just. We had um, an exchange with a school here last year. Uh, my brother's a, a school teacher, and I said, "Why don't we do like a?" a Zoom kind of, it was during COVID and stuff, and he said, why don't we do a Zoom kind of uh, exchange and do a science project together? Wow. So he got his his chemistry teacher from here, and we had our chemistry teacher in the Helima school, and they did, they showed what their latest projects were that they were doing. And the teacher from here, I'll send you the link, the teacher yeah. from here, he, he talked about... Um, you know the certain laws of physics and things like that and and uh, he said you know this is what we've been working on and um newton's law and all, all that sort of thing and uh, it was quite boring and then they came on and and the student the teacher didn't do the talking she just handed over to the students and each one had made something from recycled stuff that they'd wow. found so one of them had made a, a vacuum cleaner out of plastic bottles and things that she'd found and another one had made um um a, 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 a you know the um the bridge that uses um what do you call it you know the counterweight a bridge that you know like london bridge but like a fulcrum bridge yes that yes, kind of yeah, thing. she yeah. built this out of stuff wow. that she and another one had made a, a lamp and put all the wires together and all this sort of thing and, and the kids over here were saying to their teacher you know why can't we do stuff like that sir we're just sitting you know? listening to this stuff and having to pass exams in it and oh my goodness yeah it was just amazing it was amazing to see but if you don't mind me saying you know in in many ways, you are like a mother figure, and Halima must be like a mother figure to all these incredible kids. Well, they call Halima Baji, which means big sister, and they call me. They that's what they say. They say they call me Zareen Saiba, but basically they say to me to my face, you know, think of us as your daughters, and you to us are, are like. A mum to us, yeah. And, yeah. and when I'm there, they kind of, you know, they don't let go of my. They, I'm arm in arm with <laughs> with them, and they, they, they're just all around me, and it's just such. I, I whenever I go, I don't want to come back. No, I'm sure. It's, you know that real connection with your heritage, and and, and I really daughter. feel Helima's presence there. Mm-hmm. It feels yeah. like I, I I can hear her giggle and amongst them. And and I see her expressions when I look at them. Yeah. So I see now why you're saying that in so many ways, it's gone beyond what you could ever have imagined. Way beyond. When you were were first casting that vision together. It's like, whoa. Yeah. And so, so Gift Wellness, that came about to fund the school or is that, was that a totally different... 
what happened with Gift to Wellness was that uh, after we inaugurated the school, so the school took three years to build after she passed away. Um, so it was April 2011 when we inaugurated the school. And after the amazing experience of the inauguration, you can imagine. Yeah, very emotional. So emotional. I was back at Lahore Airport on my way back here, sitting in the airport, and I picked up this magazine. I mean, I was I was kind of pacing up and down and kind of feeling a bit anxious and thinking, okay, we've reached this milestone. So now yeah. what? Now what do I do? And it really felt like I needed a, something to continue this survival strategy of mine that I'd, mm. you know, that I'd created um, because I knew that's what was going to keep me going. And finding meaning and purpose. Well. And, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And I had, and keep me connected to Halima. Yeah. So I picked this magazine up and it opened straight on to this article about women in refugee camps and how, they have to tear the strips off the bottom of their dresses to fold up into makeshift sanitary pads and all the other horrific things they have to suffer. You know, um, they're scared to go to the toilet and there's the fear of, you know, rape and all, all kinds of yeah. things and yeah. having to make awful exchanges in exchange for food just aside to refugee camps that you kind of you hear about a refugee camp but you don't really think about the day-to-day existence how hideous it is yeah these are educated women highly skilled most of them yeah any of us you know that have been put in this predicament because of stupid men who have decided that power and wealth is more important than their people yeah and um, and, I, and I read this article about how they have to tear strips off their own dresses <laughs> to fold up into makeshift sanitary pads because they have no- nothing. And um, I literally, <laughs> I don't know if I actually stood up, but in my head it felt like I I'd, I I stood up all of a sudden <laughs> like a big intuitive hit and I like, saw myself giving pads to these women and I, I literally saw myself giving pads to these women and I, and I knew that was it and mm-hmm. that was the birth of gift wellness so I came back and did about 18 months of research and development found out about that it wasn't just women in refugee camps, it was women here as well. Yeah, um, so the whole the whole sort of story around period poverty. Oh, gosh. Which I guess because it, I mean, it's less and less because people like you are blazing a trail there, but it's it's always been such a taboo subject. It's it's maybe because it only affects women, it doesn't really get high, high priority or preference, but you really have opened up that conversation. But and then and then it wasn't just the period poverty issue. I thought, okay, I'll I'll buy things wholesale, sell them, and with that money, I'll donate products to women in in, in you know in crisis. And um, <laughs> and then I found out how toxic products are that are wow. in the high street and in supermarkets. And I thought, no, I'm not going to sell those. I didn't want to, and I and I realised why I always felt awful during my time of the month, during my period, 
um, how I, I suffered myself, you know, by the third day I, I was sore and yeah, know, yeah. awful and groggy and lethargic and tired and uh, my head was all over the place and I had headaches and things like that. And I, and, and I did my research and realised that it was because 99% of the products in the, high, in the high street were very, very toxic and were full of carcinogenic kind of ingredients and asbestos and uh, weed killer. Um, you know, they're sprayed with Roundup weed killer, the same, that, uh, that chemical. Um, and we're so also we're just given to believe that well that's just you know if you suffer like that that's a symptom that's a symptom of your period that's what, you know? uh, that's what lots of money and glamorous marketing does it yeah yeah us into 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 thinking that you know into trusting and so I decided to develop my own product and um my product uh were a result of actually something that I stumbled on with my mum while I was in Pakistan. I went to a Chinese herbalist and um and and he showed us this material that was made from uh tourmaline, which is a mineral stone, um, which is pulverized and made into a resin and then rolled into fabrics and it it helps circulation, it's naturally antibacterial, it balances hormones. And he was giving my mum this belt that had this material in it. People use it in mattresses and it's in hair products and all sorts of things now, air filtration units in aeroplanes. And it, it it emits these things called negative ions, which zap the positive ions, which are bacteria. And when you when they when they kill the bacteria, then it, it's like a, a charge. It's like an electrical charge. Um, minute, of course, but it's from centuries of absorbing the sun's rays and 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 this and there are a few stones like that wow. um, that that are that have those properties and they actually help you know so my um my products my gift pads have a layer of tourmaline so they are anion pads negative ion pads so they're made of natural materials they are biodegradable there's no plastic. The plastic part that would stick to your underpants and and also um, the wrapper that's normally plastic is made from corn. Gosh. And, um, and it's a, a like a cotton viscose top perforated sheet which um which wicks everything away and absorbs very quickly. It's got a very absorbent core and they stay dry and they're very comfortable. But most importantly they actually proactively improve your you you know your your uh menstrual health God. you know um and i have to be careful what i say there because they're not registered as a medical device because no but i think you know the proof of the pudding is in the eating isn't yeah. it and and as uh, you well this right. is it i didn't i in it was theory you know and yeah. um, a brand in korea or somewhere had done it and i got their products to try them and I just couldn't believe the difference. Wow. And theirs were quite rudimentary and weren't very comfortable. But I felt so much better. And so you've and just been, yeah, you know, innovation behind that. So, so you've actually come up with a product yourself by going down this route of I'm going to supply these women in refugee camps. It's now 
they're, they're getting state of the art. I don't want to supply art. them with rubbish. Yes. You know? no. I want to supply them with something good that will, especially with their anxiety that they're going through and how the difficult life that they face. The last thing they need is toxic products to make them feel worse. And um, and so I, you know, first thing I did as soon as the first container arrived was shipped a whole load off to to um to Syria to the same Zatari Syrian refugee camp that I'd read about yeah and that was my chance that was I didn't plan that and I think I remember you saying it when we when you were telling the story in at, at Sam's um leadership conference about how difficult it was to even get them to ship those products you've got <laughs> these amazing products I, I need to get them to go and that beautiful conversation that you had yeah. The guy said, the guy, the guy said, ah, oh, sister, you know, well, sorry, but, you know, this container is almost full of like really important things like food and medicines and, uh, you know, uh, clothes and things like that, like really urgently needed important things. So, you know, maybe we'll take a few of your, your products next time. <laughs> be nice. That was it. And you said. It'd be nice to take a few of your products next time. So I went and I sat him down and I I spoke to him. Uh, I went to the warehouse where they were, you know, where they were packing the container, and and I I said I said, you know, though I said imagine, you know, those women that you see. I asked him about you know the demographics. I knew it was mostly women in those camps, and um, and I said you know now imagine your those women that you're in, that you're going to you know you see your mum amongst them you see your wife your daughter yeah. your yeah. sister amongst them and uh and then I, I said I said look you know and and I said no matter what happens to them they're going to get their period and he like the shock on his face oh my god the woman in the the headscarf just said the p word <laughs> so please make today end very quickly yeah, yeah, here. and then and I said look you know the the point is is that these women that you're going to take this stuff to they are someone's mother someone's daughter yeah, someone's yeah. and and they are going to menstruate every month and it's about their dignity and isn't it your duty you're taking all this stuff you know protect their dignity as well yeah it, it needs to be seen oh, as right. essential as medicine it, it it is it is a form of, you know it's, it's not a nice to have it's not a luxury and he started crying and he, oh, no. he said and then ever since then he 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 said yeah i mean he said i can't believe that we'd missed this yeah. such an yeah. important part of aid yeah. and uh and they've taken products ever since but I've had that conversation a few times. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> so, sure. You know, and um, and yeah, and the, you know, the innovative side of what we do. I think, I think the other effect of um, suffering this kind of tragedy is that your fears fall away, your inhibitions fall away mm. because you've faced your worst fear already. Yeah, it's, it's that that that. There's, you know, what have you got to lose? Yeah, yeah. and you know, that. right now we're about to launch an app, a period poverty app called Period Angels. It's on Apple and Android phones, 
um, period angels. And the idea is to link up um, organisations like charities in the community and um, volunteers who want to collect products um, and give them to those organisations. It links them up on the app. Um, so you can sign up as a volunteer, collect your products, find what local <clears throat> excuse me what local organizations are near you that need products and drop them off and then as a user if you're experiencing period poverty you just go onto the app and look on the map at the nearest um place near you that a food bank or a charity that has free free product for you, Gosh. you Gosh. so it um I don't know why it hasn't been done before, but it, it just, it was while I was in Lebanon last year delivering these um, packages of, of menstrual products to Syrian refugees. Um, and I was still being bombarded by messages from the office saying, what do we do about this organization needs this and this person is called and this person wants to volunteer and do. And I thought, oh my gosh, there must be a simpler way of connecting them rather than us being the conduit all the time mm, mm. and 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 that was it I actually designed it on a scrap of paper in the in the hotel in Lebanon in Beirut last August and it's about to go live this month in and do you find that do you find that you know you have a great idea now I mean just what you were saying about tourmaline and I I'm a gemologist I have a, I understand a little bit about stones and it's funny because we call it the rainbow stone it comes in so many different forms yeah. and colors and like it's green tourmaline that that is yeah. antibacterial black tourmaline is for stamina isn't it it's it, all it, about healing yeah at the, at the heart of it tourmaline is one of the, and, the and most green is, is antibacterial and helps circulation and everything and you know it it's not me it's saying it it was all theory um when i when i decided to do it i just thought something added in there that is natural and that may help yeah so, yeah you know anything <laughs> you know, and when i tried it myself from the korean company oh my gosh i felt so different and i gave it to some of my sisters and friends and they all said the same yeah and, yeah um, and so you know, it's it's about it's about going beyond just the hygiene aspect and and the climate change aspect. Yes, it needed to be climate friendly, um, but for me, the priority was women's health and mm. how making women feel better, making them feel good. Because if we're okay, everyone else is okay. I know that from when Helima passed away. If I'd fallen apart, yeah, there was no hope for this family, you know. And I see saw it in the women in refugee camps. They're the ones. It's the women holding up those tents and keeping everyone sane and keeping everyone okay. Yeah, if yeah. They aren't given these essential products. Then there's no hope. There's no hope for the rest of their families and their children. Um, they won't survive. And that's to me what you do so well, though. It's it's about taking your compassion and your empathy and really leaning into, okay, and now I'm going to put that into action. I'm going to actually, what I see as being yeah. the really, the, the you yeah. know, 
the fundamentals that just can't be ignored. Don't you find that a lot of these, I've been to International Women's Day events and other women's events and, and they're shouting and banners and all this and, you know, freedom and oh, Okay, you know, but what's the solution? Yes, you're you know? so solution focused. You know? It's Absolutely. all about all about solutions. I, I it frustrates me if yeah, I'm just yeah. talking. I, if people are just talking and not okay, so what's the solution? And now what we're gonna do? Like the, the thing about women's women in the workplace, and uh, we've we've we're about to launch another product, which is a training product using VR technology where you put an Oculus headset on, um, so it's virtual reality, and you step into the shoes of a woman in the workplace who's going through a difficult menstrual experience or menopause or pregnancy or another issue. And then from the men's perspective as well, it might be mental health, it might be um, you know, an invisible disability, or, or there's another one, to do with parental leave so you see the same event from lots of perspectives and yeah. we're, we're launching that for corporate companies yeah so that they so that you know to create female-friendly workplaces oh this is music to my ears I'm, I'm hosting a panel next week um again for international women's day and it's all about wellness in the workplace it's all about oh, these these things help people to thrive there's a it's not just an it's again about, a nice to have tick the box when you you know, because when you step into their shoes in the headset, and I've 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 done it with construction companies and, and that sort of thing already, and um, and all the barriers come down because they immediately feel empathy because they're in her shoes. Yeah. They have her voice in their head. Yeah. And and you know the woman where she's about to give a presentation an important one that could get her a promotion and then suddenly realizes she's not feeling well and she started her period and her boss is standing in front of her in front of the conference room and she's and then three options come up what do I do what do I tell him you know yeah yeah tell him the truth and tell him that I've started my period I'm not feeling well I can't do this now or do I make an excuse and lie and say I've got food poisoning or something and I have to go or or do I go ahead with it and take my chances and hope that I'm okay and I can get through it? Yeah. And then yeah. go through those scenarios. And it's mind-blowing. I mean, and they, for women, I mean, women going through the menopause, the same thing, you know, if you're suddenly having a hot yeah. flush or you yeah. just wake up and every ounce of your confidence has just gone into because your Because one in ten women actually leaves her job at that point where she – you know, at the point where she should be going for the big job now, you know, the CEO's position or a director's yeah. position, she's thinking, uh, and this is what happens in the scenario in our VR training, is yeah. she she's thinking, you know, can I actually do that job? Because, I, you know, I don't think I can. I, I can't think straight. I'm, you know, feeling hot. Brain fog, all of the stuff, I'm, yeah. You know, tired. And she's weighing up her, so her options are, does she, you know, does she actually go, decide to go part-time instead and downgrade herself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or does she go ahead with the, the uh, applying for the CEO's job? Um, So, and then the pregnant woman is a black pregnant woman. So she's, 
facing different issues to do with her pregnancy and race. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, it, it, what it does is create empathy, yeah. which is the most important ingredient if you want to make change. And how fascinating that, you know, because what it feels like now is that you're bringing all of these elements of, you know, this. we started this conversation with you feeling like you understood who you really are and the work that you were doing earlier in your career was all about integration, bringing people together, deeper understanding of what it is to be Muslim, building communities, yeah. all of that stuff. And now gift wellness has that social enterprise element. It's like a, it's a, it's more like a movement than yeah. a simple business for, you know, even, even a non-profit business. And it's um, an organically evolving thing. So the natural thing was the app. The natural next yeah. step yeah. was the female-friendly workplaces because we developed the period gift box for, it was during COVID and I thought, what do we do about girls in schools who are suffering period poverty? And uh, and this was before the government said that schools could have products for free. Right, because I think that you, your conversations have led to that fundamental change. And, and, and um, even though they've done that, I think it's only there's a cutoff date. They're going to review it in 2024. But only 40% of schools have taken the government up on it because they haven't made it mandatory. Right. So if the head teacher is a bit old-fashioned or Doesn't want to talk about it, yeah. And tough for the girls yeah. You know, yeah. who are suffering period poverty. You know, so that's still an issue. But then, so there are girls in schools and then women in the workplace. And that was the other issue that was bothering me and 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 I thought you know what and I looked at training and all of the training out there was all to do with you know things like equal pay sexual harassment fine you know and um equal rights and equal equal but the thing is if if an employer says well you know we we treat everyone the same Mm. you know they have got equality because we treat everyone the same yeah but they're not the same are they because men's bodies work differently to women's bodies so their needs are different aren't they and your whole system for centuries has been built around how men's bodies work and what you need to do is now synchronize around how women's bodies work absolutely if you really want to give them equality equity and parity yeah yeah and it's that it's that real leaning into equity as opposed to simply equality and that that's whether it's race anybody who's in a minority needs to be made to feel that that's not going to be the thing that disables them you know just because not everybody is in the same camp and we don't all come to everything yeah yeah respect and inclusion Absolutely. Not Absolutely. just di- not acknowledging diversity and inclusion. It's about yeah. respecting that diversity yeah. and actually finding out what they need. So our training results in, you know, so it's all gamified and it results in 
the workers themselves, the staff telling us what the needs are of different types of people, whether they're menstruating, whether they're whether they're um, menopausal, whether they have a mental health problem or whatever, in the in each department of their workplace. Mm, so, mm. Um, so basically, we then put that into a strategy and present it to the company. And as you say, then it becomes about solutions focus. You know, what can we do to make this better? Which is what you've been doing. And, and we're, we're now offering dispensers for workplaces as well for free period products because it's an obvious thing that you know period products should be free in toilets for the work the staff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that would put an end to period poverty, as you say. I mean, they're only just adjusting VAT payments and whether it's it's seen as a luxury product, and you know, because it's it too often women's hygiene gets sort of lumped in with with makeup and all the things that are perhaps more of a luxury. But you know, this should have been a staple all along. Really, you know, it's not something you get to choose whether you have it or not. So, gosh, yeah. So I'm, you know, you 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 just exude compassion, kindness. It's it's your sort of DNA. Um, and I'm just interested when I asked you about acts of kindness that have impacted you, because I'm really interested in how you've now galvanized. There's so many people who, because you bring that empathy, you know, the the story you told about the the guy in the distribution center who just once he'd had his eyes opened, he couldn't unsee it. And you did that in such a kind way. You know, you went down there in person, you were willing to have that difficult conversation, but it wasn't from a place of blaming him or shaming him. It was just here, let me help you understand. And and he did, and that shifted his perspective. So have there been acts of kindness that have just like been, you know, instrumental in your own thinking? The the main thing that comes to mind is is I hadn't realised basically after Halima passed away immediately after the the outpouring of of love from my commun from our community and by our community I mean Derby where I live. Yeah. And um and they lifted us and carried us for weeks. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were they were you know, 90-year-old uh, women and men, you know, writing us letters talking about how they wish they could do something, and here's a donation of ten pounds towards the school. You mm. know, it, you know that it was just the, the love that we got, and it, and it re, we. It, what I'm saying is that you don't know that that exists until something like this happens. So mm. I, you know, my daughter was murdered in Derby. My, I think there was a feeling of almost like a community guilt that, mm-hmm. you know, I'd worked in this community for so many years with the NSPCC and the BMF and 
uh, Derby Pride where I was regenerating the inner city and I'd done all these projects in Derby for Derby, including asylum seeker projects, yeah. you know, supporting asylum seekers, a very community from which the murderer came. And, and, and you know, and then Halima was murdered within the community and 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 there was a feeling that the community were uh there was a feeling of guilt from the community mm, that yeah, they, which is understandable you know that they hadn't protected one of their own yeah but then we felt like that my son felt like that he felt he he said you know it was my job to look after my sister and we felt that as parents, you know, but um, it was just that it was just that love. And, and you know, what I learned from that was that people are walking around. You're in your community, Kat, and you don't realize how much how how much goodness there is in your own community. And yeah. it isn't until something awful and I hope nothing awful happens, but it isn't until something like that happens that you actually see that love, that outpouring of love, which was transformational. And it, and it, it was, um, it really helped the whole family. It pulled us, it pulled us out of of very dark places At, at those moments when you're in that deep, you feel like you've fallen into that well. And, and a letter would come or a call would come or an email and it would just lift you. And it was there constantly, constantly. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah and it's it's um, it's a message, isn't it, that mm-hmm. you often think, oh, it won't make a difference or I'll do that tomorrow or but those tiny gestures. And also not just, I think your message is really powerful around don't always wait until there is a really tragic event. You know, what what can you be doing? Because that's what you're doing now. You're you're leaning into things that are without waiting for the tragedy. It's like I'm already seeing people need this help. This school is helping people, you know, without waiting for there to be a, obviously it was on the back of an earthquake, but now there are girls going in there who haven't had to suffer something as traumatic as that I actually feel ashamed of that fact knowing that if this hadn't have happened I wouldn't have done this much well I don't I yeah I don't think you can feel that though because I know, but mm-hmm. it's it, it do, I do think about that God, yeah. you know, you, you, would I you have had the you wouldn't would you have had the drive to do yeah. this to to push yourself this much if that hadn't happened would you have helped those people over there if this hadn't happened those people would have suffered if otherwise you know but I think it you know your heart was really touched in a way that just blew open your compassion Mm -hmm. and and then as you've said many times this is about helping Halima's dreams come true and so it comes from a place of wanting to to really keep that spirit alive, build that legacy. I guess the answer is maybe it wouldn't have happened in the same way, but um, but that's 
not to internalize in any way a sense of shame because of that you know it's just I'm my worst critic <laughs> yeah I think I think that's where we fall to we fall to and it's like and as no, you really said what 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 moved me by the, by your story there was just how everybody really really wants to to do something to ease that pain and it's it's impossible but those tiny gestures what you're saying they do make a difference they really do they really do they yeah. really do incredible and then i always ask my guests about music has music been a sense of solace for you do you have a a favorite tune that yeah i've i've um you know music has the power to lift you out of anything any yeah. any kind change your mood in an instant and um there's a song that always I don't know what it is and I think it's because me and Halima used to listen to it in the car and now it has it and we used to sing along at the top of our voices um to it and and now when it comes on it's speaking to me and it's all about Halima and it's called uh, Sunshine, and it's the it, the you know the lyrics are Sunshine through my window. That's who you are, and it's by Gabrielle. Oh wow! And, uh, you know that song? Yeah, I do. Um, I do. Yeah. Sunshine through my window. That's who you are. My shining star. Yeah, I I think it's so beautiful. Whenever you have that. Whenever I hear it, I just imagine Halima in front of me and I'm singing it to her. Yeah, and she's singing it right back to you. And it makes sense that, you know, because Sam talks a lot about Radio Heaven and sometimes you'll be driving along and just that moment where you hear just what you need to hear or a song comes on, it's so powerful. It really is, really is. Yes. So that and your, and it sounds like your faith, your faith has really been a strong part of survival for you. You see, it's like the way I see it is that, you know, like an athlete visualises the end product, the end goal. I wish I could just give you a warm hug, Zareen. That's (laughs) the only trouble with doing this virtually. Gosh. You know, I know that's the problem with doing it virtually, isn't it? Um, but you know how how you know an athlete who's running towards the, the finish line, or you know scoring that goal, or, or, or that sort of thing, winning at the end, visualizes ex- them doing that and crossing the finish line and holding that trophy or whatever. Um, they then reverse engineer their life towards that. Yeah. A goal is something to move from. That's, what, that's the role that my faith plays. Yeah. Because thank God, if I if I hadn't had that, uh, well, I, I wouldn't be here. Because yeah. if I thought that this was it and Halima's gone and there's nothing and I've I go and there's nothing, that's it, then what what on earth is there to live for? And I feel so afraid for people that don't have a faith and don't believe in the hereafter and 
there are so many signs and so many, I mean, it's endless the number of signs that I've had and uh, messages and to the point where there was a, there's a local girl who's who who I thought it was complete nonsense but she um she speaks to people who have passed away they they she relays messages from them to people and she called me out of the blue this was a few weeks after Helima passed away and she said Halima needs to relay a message to you. And I, at first I was offended and I thought, you know, how cruel, how awful yeah. um, that you're doing this to me in my at this time. And, um, and she said, I, you know, I really don't want to offend you, I don't, or, or, uh, but she won't leave me alone and she needs you to do something. Gosh. So I entertained her, you know, I, I said, okay, you know, what is it? And she said, she needs you to go into the bedroom, into her bedroom, and down the side of her wardrobe. Um, or I can, she said, I can see her bed. She described her bed exactly, and she's never been here. She She described her wardrobe on the right of her bed, and she said, somewhere either behind or in, in the wardrobe or on down the side of a wardrobe, there's something beginning with B and you, when you find it, there, she said, all I can see is the letter B and she said, when you find it, you'll know what to do with it. So I had her on the phone and I went upstairs and into her room, which was exactly how Halima had left it. We hadn't we didn't touch it for months, to be honest. No. Um, and uh, and I looked around and put my hand down the side of the wardrobe and pulled out a denim bag, a blue bag, and opened it. And it had pills in it. It had the pill in it. And what it is is that me and Halima had to go to the doctors because she was having really heavy periods and the doctor put her on the mini pill and mm. she made me swear that I wouldn't tell dad and wow. you know because she was so embarrassed about it that she was going on the pill and she said mum please don't and and she said do you know what to do with it and I said yeah and I disposed of it yeah, yeah. so I mean and uh, and uh, and then after that, I actually had conversations with Halima through that, and she proved it again and again and again. And then I got her to come and meet the family, and she spoke to Ash, she spoke to Fazan. I mean, this is deep stuff now that we're no, getting into. But it's just, you know, but, it's, I've got chills I, running down. I can't argue with that. You no, know, no, it, no, it, no, was, no. it was, and it was so helpful to us as well and um Haliman and her dad when I was on a, a foreign office delegation and um uh, abroad and and while I was away he took her on a hike he loves hiking and they went up into the Peak District and did this walk up this path and and they got a little bit kind of trapped and had to had to uh, scramble down this steep hill and across a across a river, and 
he and they agreed not to tell me about that because it was quite dangerous and um and um and during the conversation with the medium um to kind of test her i think my husband said ask her about our walk in the peaks and what happened you know and and uh, and the answer came back uh, we agreed not no not in front of mum. She said wow. not in front of mum. That was the answer that came back. Gosh, you know, isn't that mind blowing? <laughs> it really is. It really yeah. is. But so beautiful that yeah. you're able to have these real yeah. conversations. I mean, yeah. really powerful. And my instinct is is that when you when you you said you pray five times a day, that part of that is to just be in that stillness and mm. keep that space open for those conversations. I mean, all the time. And that's where I get my inspiration, the moments when I get my inspiration. And um, and that's how I stay calm and yeah. level-headed and how I manage to juggle everything and have three meetings in the morning, sort out my father-in-law, you know, put the dinner on, you know, call the kids, have another four meetings, do a podcast. <laughs> well, I'll tell you how, sorry, because you are such an incredible life force. You are so remarkable in the way that you have held all of this, you know, and you are the person that has clearly been lifting other people and keeping them all supported throughout your own grief and your own pain. I'm wondering for anyone that this is resonating with, you know, who's going through that sense of loss and grief themselves, if you have any words for them. My number one thing um, for, for surviving anything like that is to the fact that when you focus on helping others, who are in need, mm -hmm. the moment you do that and you see the effect of it, it is, it cures everything. It cures yeah. everything. You, you can't be sad and have that, that feeling that you've just helped that person. When you see them, when I first saw the women the photograph of the woman holding the women holding my pads with the gift logo on the front standing in front of their tents in Syria i mean it you know holland and barrett and all that stuff that's nothing this is when i felt okay now i'm getting somewhere you know, now i'm getting somewhere that's when yeah. i felt like now I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's now it's go, going well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it it really does heal and cure everything the moment you start focusing on that. And then it's kind of a a recycling and that energy and that you you then start to automatically, whenever you're sad, turn it into that kind of energy. So you're turning grief energy negative energy into positive energy yeah and um 
And then the more you do it, and so at first, of course, you know, you have to force yourself to do it. And but the more you do it, the more it becomes your go-to, your natural um, way to deal with it. Yeah. So and, would you say that... amazing that... things happen, like you said at the beginning, Kat, amazing things start to happen. The right people start coming in front of you. You're, you you get in front of the right people and it's not a coincidence the, because you're the, you're putting out that kind of energy and it's pulling those sorts of the right people towards you and mm. you towards them. And, God, the, the people in my life right now, that's, the, <laughs> that's such a gift. You know, yeah. the, the people that are in my life right now, amazing people that I wouldn't have come across had this not happened. No, no. And, you know, you've just reminded me that when you gave your talk, you had um, GIFT as an acronym, if you take the four letters of GIFT. Yeah, so the G is about being grateful for your test, you know. So the, the test that I've been given, this upheaval, this hardship, actually being grateful for it because it's look what it's become look at all the people that it's helped and and without it I would be half the person I am today and you know I I mentioned I think that someone had that had asked me a very kind of cruel question really and said if you had the choice today to have Halima back and in exchange you everything that you've done disappears and it goes back to what would have happened to them would you take Halima back and I said no because I know it's temporary separation I know she how would I face her if I did that Mm. you know so the first thing is is to actually be not just okay with it, but actually be grateful for it because it's given you something that you it's given you a richness that you would never have that that should be the envy of others. That's how good it is because they don't have that. They don't have that that richness and that drive that you now have that energy that is only found from hardship and um it's like I said to my dad before he passed my dad passed away a year after Halima because he'd never been ill and then he got cancer in his stomach and he could he couldn't bear for Halima's name to be mentioned it was too much for him yeah and uh like I said I think in some ways it was harder for the grandparents than yeah. than us even. Um, and then my mum followed him three or four years later because she was half the person without my dad. But um just grief. What I would say though is that that is a very yeah. cruel question to ask. It is. And it is. For me, you have been able to bring Halima into your life. Yeah. In such a powerful way that 
in so many ways it feels like she is there she is with you every day she is you know and the other thing about uh, in islam they say that when someone is murdered or dies in a that kind of tragedy or is um dies in an accident uh or in an earthquake or something like that that they become a martyr Mm. and it's same christianity um and martyrs you're not allowed to say that they're dead wow because they're so alive their spirit is so much more powerful than it was when they were here yeah which is about legacy isn't it it's about it's about legacy unbelievable Um, so the g is for gratitude is about being grateful for your test the i is about illustrating your your uh idea yeah and putting it down on paper and creating those mood boards and just putting it all down telling your story because amazing things happen when you if you're a if you're a, a writer then write it if you're a visual person then make, create a mood board draw it but put it down and then, and then and then the um the f is to then focus on it and become absolutely fanatical about it and, and let it absorb it into everything that you're doing, your yeah. vision. Yeah. And um, and then the T is about trusting yourself and trusting the process and trusting your vision and trusting others. It's about trust um, that it will happen. And it does. And I, I believe that anyone who wants to start something should use this formula formula it's in my book so there's a bit more well that for me is your wisdom that is you know it's it's the idea of being able to see something that doesn't feel like a gift Mm. as a gift in the end it's the idea of making so the book is called the gift yeah yeah the gift is the hardship so throughout the book you're thinking what's her gift what is the gift that she's talking about? Yeah. And you yeah. find out that actually the gift that she's really referring to is, is the hardship itself. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, yeah, for me, Zareen, it's it's been a wonderful gift of a conversation just to be able to spend some time with you. I, I really am grateful to you for, you know, I know how much in demand you are and just how busy you are because, you know, you are the CEO of a social enterprise. It takes a lot, you know, to, even though you've got teams behind you now, that is still, it's a lot of work. How can people listening to this who are motivated, inspired, you know, other than swapping brands and going and finding Holland and Barrett, that's where you're going to get your sanitary wear. Oh, they're not in Holland and Barrett anymore, by the way. Oh, really? Really? I've gone B to C since COVID. So oh, clever um, you. Yeah, because um, I lost 90% of retailers during COVID and had to very quickly pivot the business to an online business. Um, oh. And it was the customers who found me because they were such mm. diehard fans of what we do and they didn't want it to end. So um, they they found us online and I had to quickly set up the online shop and everything and we're now building up. So, yes, 
if um, if you want to support this work and support women in crisis and help yourself with better products, uh, we have shampoo bars and cleansing bars and intimate wash bars and all organic lovely stuff and all plastic free as well as the menstrual products. Um, and we have um, zero waste products as well, uh, like reusable pads and, and uh, underwear and, and menstrual cups and all that sort of thing as well but the gift pads are they're the best yeah. <laughs> that's how you're going to contribute are. to the and social enterprise element and, and of it best, the best for you as well it wasn't yeah. until the end of endometriosis kind of conversations started and I didn't start those conversations and I, I noticed on Twitter that women with endometriosis were talking about my products and I thought oh what's that and then I did a trade show and a few of them came to see me there and and then they started they were the conversation was growing around endometriosis and how these pads were making a difference to them yeah um, and so then I did a a test of uh with a, a few endo about 20 or 30 endometriosis sufferers through the Endometriosis Association in Ireland and uh, and their chair, Kathleen, she invited me over. She Well, she did the, the test and all of them said it had a positive effect on their symptoms in some way, whether it was less pain or less bleeding or they just felt better or whatever it was, it made a difference. Yeah. Um, so they tested them for two or three months and then I got invited and I was like the VIP at their conference, their annual conference in Dublin. And, uh, you know, so I don't know what it is. I, th- I think it's the good karma. in the I totally believe yeah. it's the good karma. That's what I think. And I wanted to say you that the... better knowing that you're also... Yeah, I, I think it's because you know you're putting good out into the world. It's because when you buy pads for yourself, you're you're actually contributing to them for somebody who who's less fortunate than yourself. I think it's because you've put so much research into, I mean, just literally taking the the toxins out of it, the plastic out of it. It's good for the environment. It's good for I mean, it makes sense that it's better for us if it's if it's good for the environment. And your wellness bars as well. I'd forgotten about that. The whole, you know, everything is naturally sourced, really well researched on, you know, friends and family and what works. It's it's just beautiful. So the best way to get them is to buy online. That that is still the... Wellness.co.uk. Yeah. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, I do hope... I'm going to give you a discount code for your listeners we love that (laughs) so I'm going to set it up straight after this okay you just put the code cat 20 no cat 30 for 30 percent off oh my goodness cat 30 well so (laughs) if you're listening to this and you want to help me help Zareen help a whole host of other people Go to giftwellness.co.uk. You will find something beautiful for yourself, beautiful for your daughters, beautiful Mm -hmm. for your sisters. And CAT30 is the code. Shall I put it in the chat? Well, I will put that in the show notes and I will make sure that whenever we will be promoting this because it's I'm, I'm recording real time ready for International Women's Day. You are the, you know, the whole of this season has been about inspirational, brilliant, remarkable 
women who are making such a difference and they're from around the globe. So Centerpiece coming out on 7th of March is Dr. Zarin Ahmed. Um, I can't think of a more inspirational source of someone who is just, as you say, finding creative solutions to some of the world's most difficult problems and putting them into action. Yeah. It's been a joy to spend time with you and thank you as well thank you gosh thank you thank you for the work you're doing and yeah I will take with me from this conversation that image of Halima and that ray of sunshine and I know that she's with you each and every day but yeah it's it's also a reason to to celebrate it really is she is um She's our international woman, woman of, of inspiration for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarine. It's been a pleasure. Take care. And you. Sending okay. love. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's quite difficult to sum up just how much admiration I feel for Zareen and the grace and courage that she's shown in the face of such tragic adversity. And sometimes I think less is more. So so I'm going to leave you with that beautiful song, Sunshine, and the lyrics which tell the story of a wonderful spirit whose kindness and compassion still lives on today. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Halima.
thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.